Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Last year, during our sermon, we asked this question. Are you a person who's thankful or are you a thankful person? And I'm going to tell you that there's a difference. There's a difference between someone who occasionally finds reason to be thankful and someone who lives a life of thanksgiving. I hope that you're a thankful person and not someone who, because it's the last Thursday in November, decide to be thankful. Um, so it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Usually somebody says that back when you say happy Thanksgiving. You know, it's impolite to just stare when somebody says that. So happy Thanksgiving. So guess what we're going to talk about before we talk about Thanksgiving? Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. You thought, who said football? <laughs> I want you to look at the screen. I want to show you what we're going to begin next Sunday for our Advent series. It's called The Star. And it's a technically a five-week journey toward the baby in the manger. We're going to talk about faith and hope and love and peace. And I want you to be a part of this series. It's going to be, um, man, I, 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 love, I love taking the entire month of December uh, and not just the, the week or so before Christmas and just focusing on what God did when he sent his only son. And so we're going to look at that for the entire month of De- starting next week through the entire month of December. And some of you have asked me what we're going to do on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have one 11 o'clock service on Christmas Eve. And I promise you we can get it dark enough to make the candles look pretty. <laughs> You've seen that already, haven't you? We can get it pretty dark in this building. So uh, one Christmas, we won't do... Growth, morning growth groups will just have the one 11 o'clock service, and so we want to encourage you to come and be a part of that and bring your families. Yeah. All right. So are you a thankful person? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I, I told the guys in the prayer room, you may or may not laugh at this, but it's just true, is for pretty much 49 Sundays a year, as pastors, we have a wide open gamut of what you know of stuff to choose from that we're going to preach about but easter pretty much got to talk about the resurrection of christ period right christmas pretty much going to talk about the birth of christ and thanksgiving you've got to talk about thanksgiving and you know i I, i'm not one of these guys i don't like digging up old sermons and renaming them and changing the graphic and making them i don't i didn't want to do that and I'm sitting in my spot. I have, this, I have a couple spots in my house. But those of you who have come on small groups, you've, you've, I've, I've let a couple of you sit in my spot. And that just shows that God is working in my life. But I sit in my spot and I was praying and, and, and I was like, Lord, I, what, 
what is there to say that we hadn't said a thousand times? And you, you probably can appreciate this because you know my wife. My wife is always a decorator. But oh my goodness, as soon as the leaves start to change, she goes crazy. She, did, she goes crazy. I have, I, my wife is, oh, she, I'm getting in so much trouble right now. My wife is a list person. And I looked at this, she, I found this list that she had made. And, it, and the top across in big bold letters, things to do before Thanksgiving. I had a stroke. I, and so I started, I started making notes my, of myself. Not going to happen. I wrote that. I did. I want to make sure we're communicating. And so I'm sitting there in my spot, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to use Mikey's word again. I was contemplating about to get today's service. Contemplating. It's a great word. How many of you half think, half pray? Have, that's a great word, isn't it? Yes. I'm glad I thought of it. And, and, and my attention went to our dining room table and I realized how much of that day revolves around the table I realized that it's not just about the food even though that's the wonderful part it's about family that maybe you just see once a year around that table or relationships that get built around that table and I I thought about it my house there's the dining room table, and then the kitchen table is usually reserved for, you know, carving the turkey and all sorts of stuff. And then there's the kids' table. If Matthew were here, he would fuss because he would say, I'm 22 and I still have to sit at the kids' table. I'm like, well, dude, somebody's got to die for you to, you know, get to the adult table, and we're not going to believe that's going to happen anytime soon. And then the Lord took me to a, a very familiar passage of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm, where it, the psalmist said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me. You prepare a table before me. I, I love that word. See, he, he didn't just drop a table out of heaven into in our, in our path it was he prepared he i i love the analogy of of, of the way my wife will be um, maybe maybe some of you guys are like this are there plates that you only use once a year yeah that happens on thanksgiving and and she'll she'll want to make sure that everything looks right and it's just it's just prepared and i believe that god has prepared a table for you and i even in the presence of our enemies, even in the midst of difficult times and circumstances, even in the midst of of a a crazy uh, national environment where everybody hates everybody. God's prepared a table. And that's what I want to talk about. And here's what I've learned. Is that we can learn a lot about how to sit around the table that God has prepared with some attitudes that we've learned about sitting around our Thanksgiving table. Because there's, uh, 
There's just certain things you do and you don't do around that Thanksgiving table. And at my house, um, maybe this is you, um, for years we did a little southeastern caravan on Thanksgiving Day. And we may be in Columbia, South Carolina. We may be in Lawrenceville, Georgia. We may be in Cobb County, Georgia. And finally one day, the boys were much, much smaller. I just said, I've had enough. We are not going to do this and then turn around and do it again at Christmas. It's not, it, we're just not going to do it. It's not that I don't love my family. It's not that I don't want to spend time with them. Here's, here's the deal. We're going to have Thanksgiving at our house. You are more than welcome to come. And we extended an invitation. And now everybody comes to our house. And we have to cook 17 turkeys. And it's, but I, that's just kind of, we just extended an invitation. And there, there are no, we, we don't put any um, extenuating toils on people that want to come. We just have basically one rule. You got to bring something with you. Don't show up empty-handed. You know, you got to bring something. Bring a gallon of tea. Bring something. And don't, don't you understand that God has extended an invitation for us to sit around His table? And maybe you and I have these ideas of what He expects of us in order to sit around that table. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus said, come just as you are but you got to bring something see I, i'm not gonna show up at that table empty-handed there are going to be times when i'll stand at that table and offer him my heart i'll offer him my hurt i'll offer him my fears my worries i'll offer him my love and my worship but i'm not going to come and sit around that table empty-handed and so what i want us to do today is to look at what it, what it looks like for you and I to sit around that table that God has prepared for us. And, and oh, by the way, see at our house, we do this once a year. And I want you to understand before you leave this place that that table is available to you 24 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... When I say that God has extended to us an invitation, some of you have uh, something in your mind rolling around. Well, I accepted God's invitation when I was nine. And I said the prayer, and I'm a Christian, so I'm at the table. When we extend an invitation to come sit around our table for Thanksgiving, here's... Here's what we don't expect. We don't expect you to just get the invitation and not do anything with it. Tell us you're coming. Tell us you're not. Just do something with the invitation. I'm going to tell you that I believe that God expects us to do something with the invitation he's given us. We're going to accept it or reject it. So I'm not just talking about a... a a kneeling in an altar and saying, okay, God, I, I, I want to follow you. That's a beautiful, beautiful acceptance of the invitation. But I believe that God offers us that invitation every day. Yes. Are you going to sit at my table today? Are you, are you going to gather around what I have prepared for you 
today? I want my answer to be yes. Yes, God, I want what you have prepared for me because I know that I have enemies that have also prepared things for me. And I want what you want for me. So we're going to talk about sitting around the table. See, there's some attitudes and there's some manners that we have to mind when we're around the table. And we're going to talk about a couple of those. The first thing you don't do at the live Thanksgiving table is complain. I'm just going to ask you guys a question. Um, and you just, let's just pretend that your wife put together this beautiful meal. And oh, by the way, I, I do a, a lot of the cooking. We, we, it's kind of a teamwork thing. But let's just be hypothetical that Donna's prepared this meal. And we sit down and I lean back and I pat my belly. And I'm like, oh, baby, that was an amazing Thanksgiving dinner. But not as good as mama's. You would, you would come visit me at the funeral home. You would visit her in prison. Is, is that true? You just, we just don't complain. We just don't complain. You, it, it is what it is, and don't complain. Um, that's, that's not the time. For, even if the meal, even if there's something there that you don't like. Have, have you ever been over to a family member's house for thanksgiving and they put something on your plate and you taste it and you're like i can't show it on my face but i ain't eating no more of that (laughs) but you can't complain it doesn't matter how bad it is it doesn't matter how much you want to spit it out you can't complain not on that day right would you agree with that You're not going to play the comparison game. I told you, what would happen if you said, you know, it was good, but it just wasn't as good as last year's. It wasn't as good as mama's. We're not going to compare what, what we're eating with somebody else's dinner. We could have went to Golden Corral. <laughs> we're not going to complain. We're not going to compare. We're not going to worry. Let me, anybody, and I've told you these stories before, but they just fit, so I'm going to tell you them again. Ever had a Thanksgiving Day disaster? Anybody? I've had two in my lifetime, two. First one was I was about eight years old. I was about eight, and my mom is an amazing cook, and she started cooking early, early, early in the morning. Well, I opened my eyes at like 4.30 in the morning to a... Cobb County Fire Department engine in our front yard with the lights going. This is different. Mom had, our our oven had malfunctioned and she had opened the door and a ball, (laughs) God forgive me for laughing at this, a ball of just smoke and flame just engulfed her just for a brief second. And she panicked, called 911. I'm like, what is going on? I go out and I see Cobb County Fire Department and my mom standing there in her bathrobe with no eyebrows. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry, but this is funny. I have this image in my head. That was Thanksgiving didn't go quite, quite great that year. And then I told you about me blowing up Donna's sweet potato souffle. I told you about that. 
You know, you know, it's funny how we have casseroles, but then for this, we don't call it a sweet potato casserole. It's a souffle. And I exploded it in a million pieces. And Donna cried. I made my wife cry on Thanksgiving Day. But, but you know what? Even after all those disasters, that's not what we concentrate on. So we're just not going to worry about the fact that there is no sweet potato souffle. We're not going to worry about the fact that my mom's not going to have eyebrows till spring. We're not, we're not going to worry about those things. It, that's, it's not a day for worry. It's not a day to stress about, about this didn't turn out right. Because it's always good and it's always fun and it's always, it's always a great, great day. So we're not going to compare we're not going to worry. We're not going to complain. So I wonder if we, if we moved into that, uh, took some of those manners and applied them to the table that God has set before us. What if we replaced our comparison with contentment? The Bible says in Philippians, and all of the rest of these scriptures are going to come from the book of Philippians. If you're a Bible reader, which I hope all of you are, if you haven't read the book of Philippians, man, just, just find it and read it. Paul said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I'm just going to say we are not great at contentment. Maybe you are. I'm not. This is something I really struggle with. Because will you still love me if I tell you that I like stuff? I do. And as you know, my son got married and moved away in January. And so he took this red Ranger pickup truck with him. And I hadn't had a truck since they got married. And I've missed it. I've missed that 1999 red Ford Ranger pickup truck. I've missed it terribly until yesterday. Doing some work around the house, went to Home Depot. And do you know what I saw at Home Depot? A 2017 white F-150 King Ranch. I was no longer content with a 99 Ford Ranger. I wanted that truck. I was like, I can't afford it. God, you better steer this car home. <laughs> We're not great with contentment. That's why, did you listen to the song they sang right there at the end? There's a reason why God has to pry our fingers from the earthly. So here's the question. What earthly thing is God going to have to pry your fingers off of? Is it a brand new truck is it a habit is it a person what if we could learn to stop saying i i i want a better this and more of that and a nicer this and just started saying god thank you because my children are going to eat today because I have clean drinking water. Oh, isn't that convicting? God, 
Help me replace my comparison with what I don't have or what I think I need or what's this, what I think I deserve. And help me be content with the great things you've blessed me with. With my life and my family and my... And, and, and if nothing else, God, if you never did anything else for me, if you never paid another bill or if you never did, if I never got another material blessing in my life, you rescued my heart, you saved me, you, you redeemed my life. That's enough. And that's what Paul was saying. I, this, this stuff around me means nothing because I've learned what it means to be content. In you, Lord. <laughs> so we replace comparison with contentment. We replace worry with prayer, thanksgiving. Man, I don't know if there's ever been a teaching that has come from this church that has convicted me more than one phrase that we uttered last year. And it was simply this, what you worry about the most it's where you trust God the least. Man, I cannot tell you how many times that has just reverberated in my brain and in my soul. I, 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 I fight that worry. I don't even know what to call it. And I have to remember that when I feel worry, that's the enemy's attempt to draw my attention away from the good things that God has done. And the fact that he's in control and every provision comes from him. And, and Jesus said, why are you worried? You can't do anything about it. Uh, that's my paraphrase. But he said, why are you worried? You can't, you can't uh, add one inch to your height. You, you can't do anything about it. Why don't, why don't you just seek first God's kingdom? He said, um, Philippians chapter 4 says, don't be anxious. And I, I've read this passage a thousand times in this pulpit and there i always stumble at that one point don't be anxious about anything but in every man those are two tough ones aren't they don't be anxious about anything well the doctor said i might be sick don't be anxious about anything well i'm i'm i may lose my house don't be anxious about I might get laid off. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, yes. present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that verse 7, is it up there? That verse 7, you've, you've seen that on Facebook memes and you've seen that it's a very powerful passive scripture. I pray this for you. When I pray for you, I pray that the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds. But can I tell you, there is, I've talked to you about this before. We can't just pull script, you know, what we like and what makes us feel good out of the Bible. That word and connects verse seven to verse six. So if I want the peace of God that transcends understanding to guard my heart and mind, I must not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And maybe a, a, a different word, then the peace of God. So here's, here's what may be a, a little exercise for us. The next time, uh, and see, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to remember it, and then I'm going to have to do what I'm going to ask you to do. Maybe the next time we're worried about something. Maybe we should just pray and say, God, I don't trust you with this. You wouldn't say that, would you? Would you? You would not out loud. But isn't that what we're saying? God, I'm so consumed with this bill, with this person, with this circumstance, with this situation. I don't think you can handle it. Let's stop. Let's stop doing in every situation with thanksgiving and prayer. Don't be anxious. Why don't we put it in the hands of somebody and do something about it? Yeah. Isn't that good? Yes. So we're going to replace worry and prayer with thanksgiving. We're going to replace comparison with contentment. We're going to replace complaining with gratitude. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, do everything. What's that? Oh, don't you hate that word? <laughs> do everything. without complaining and arguing. What if we just lived our life by that rule? We're not going to complain. We're not going to argue anymore. How many of you have, just think of who is closest in your life. It's a husband, a, a child, a spouse, a parent have had an argument with the person who is closest to you in your life at some point in time. Okay, the rest of you are liars. No, I'm just kidding. You've had an argument, right? If I gave you $100, many of you couldn't remember what the argument was about. I have no idea what the last argument Don and I had was about. It's probably because I said her Thanksgiving dinner wasn't as good as my mom's. I would never say. Do everything without arguing and complaining so that no one can criticize you live clean innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people in other words what Paul is telling us is to set yourselves apart I want to I want to give you a little challenge I have a one of my absolute dearest friends in the world, pastors in Rinkin, Georgia. And they're going through a book about attitudes. And they declared November, no complain November. I just want you to stop and think about that a minute. What's closer to our lips, Thanksgiving or complaint? Man, I, here's what I want to challenge you with. Between now and maybe the first of the year, I don't know. I think if we do it that long, it'll be, it'll be part of who you are. Let's check ourselves when, when that temptation to complain. So you're going to go to a restaurant this afternoon after we let go, uh, let you go, and you're going to sit down, and your iced tea is going to be, your, your glass is going to be, you know, empty. Are we going to complain? Are we going to set ourselves apart? See, 
you, you came into this building and it, maybe it was either too warm for you or too cold for you. Are you going to complain? I, I promise you, if you look hard enough, you can find something to complain about. We live in a broken world. You can find something to complain about. Or if you look hard enough, you can find something to be thankful for. And, and I, I shouldn't have even said it that way. You don't have to look hard. You've got to just wake up in the morning and take a breath. So we're going to replace complaining with gratitude. We're going to replace worry with prayer and thanksgiving. We're going to replace comparison with contentment. And here is why. Because your attitude is the barometer for the condition of your soul. Here's what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 6, he said, what you say flows from what's in your heart. What he was teaching us is that what happens on the outside of us is a reflection of what's going on on the inside of us. So if we're critical and snotty, and crabby, and mean, and unkind. Don't blame your dad. Well, that's how he was. That's how I am. That's a cop-out. If that's how you are, if you're crabby, and unkind, and ungrateful, and mean, and snotty. I said snotty twice from the pulpit, and there's no other word. Stop looking externally. For those things that have made you that way. Yes. Search your heart. Yes. Because there's turmoil going on on the inside. If there's that much negativity coming out of your mouth. And showing on your face. Because your attitude is a barometer for what's going on in your soul. In February, Don and I will have been married 32 years. You can't live with somebody 32 years and not know them. And so I'll, I'll come home and I will not be in a good mood. And Donna has this way, and it's so annoying, of making me laugh when I'm in a bad mood. But what she really does without knowing it is she reminds me that whatever bad thing has put me in a bad mood, it's really not that big a deal. It's not worth changing my disposition and changing my attitude and ruining our night together because somebody made me mad. And I'm going to say the same thing to you. Are you man, I, I, I've met people that have been crabby for 40 years because something somebody did to them. Don't waste your life. Listen, if people are always complaining about how negative you are, listen, don't take that as an insult. Take that home and look inside. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying don't live your life that way. Let Christ redeem whatever hurt is causing you to to be negative, to be unkind. Let Christ redeem that hurt because he can. And then I want this to be the very last thought I leave you with today. 
because some years we do it. I don't know if we'll do it this year or not. Donna told you we, we just kind of sit around the table, and it's kind of hard if we can't all get around one table and just say, hey, what are we thankful about for? And they're all good things. You know, so just in your mind, imagine what it is that you would say if you're sitting around the table. What are you thankful for? You're going to say, probably my family, my job, my health, all good things, right? My, you know, my, my home, great things to be thankful for. And we should be thankful for those things, right? Yeah. We, we should be. But here's, here's the thought I want, you to, I want to leave you with. I'm not only thankful for what I have, I'm thankful for who has me. You see, what, what makes me content with my life isn't that I've got a brand new King Ranch F-150. But listen, one of you guys park it in my driveway and that's all good. I, I'm, that's... It's funny how that new car scent wears off as soon as the payment book arrives. I'm not just thankful for what I have. And God is blessed. We've got, we got a nice home and we've got cars that gets us back and forth. We need to be. We've got an awesome family. But man, at the end of the day, what I'm truly, truly thankful for is that almost four decades ago, Christ interrupted everything I had planned for my life, turned my world upside down, and redeemed me and rescued me. And here's the beautiful part. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. You've got an invitation to sit around that table. Isn't that awesome? Don's going to come. And here's the way I think I'd like us to leave and finish today's service. Um, I had to grab my iPad, and when, when I heard that phrase, pry our fingers from the earthly, I, I, had, to, I had to make a note because I, I thought it, that, that's exactly what we're talking about. See, I, I'm, I, I love the stuff. I, I tried to go into the Verizon store to buy my new iPhone 10, and they didn't have any, and I was so sad. But, but guess what happens after iPhone 10? iPhone 11 and 14 and 37. Hello, yes. Yes. God, pry our fingers from the earthly and help us to do this one thing. Help us to remember that what we have isn't what's going to cause us to be thankful. What's going to cause us to be truly thankful is who has us. And so I just want you, there's two kinds of people in this room. If you're here and your life has been redeemed and, and, and you know that you know that you know that Christ has saved you and set you free, then this is a song of worship for you. And it's a prayer. God, whatever my fingers are holding on to that's earthly and not of you, God, pry them away. Holy Spirit, convict my heart. 
draw me closer to you and further away from these earthly things that I'm holding on to. And if you're here and you don't know that Christ has redeemed you and set you free. The other line of this song says, you're all I need. You're everything that I need. So I just want you to know, if if you're here and you don't know Jesus, hey, I, I believe in education, but he's... He's more important than your education. I believe in you having a great career. I believe that you having a great family. I believe in all that stuff. But can I tell you that without Jesus, you will die with nothing. But with Him, you'll have everything that you need. Someone invite you today. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to bow your head during this song and just say, Christ, change my life. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. Old-timers call that getting born again. It's a pretty good description if you ask me. So they're going to lead us. I want you to worship. You can stand. You can sit. You can kneel. Just, Just worship with Don and his team. Cause you Master over all and 
Because he's good. 